This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are so, so happy to once again be joined by the brilliant, the fabulous, the talented, the wonderful Bridget Todd here with us for the last time in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Happy holidays, y'all. Happy holidays to you. Yes. Um, I'm so glad you had the time to to make it. I know it's a really busy, busy time of year for everybody. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. I I am such a Grinch. Like this time of year, I find it stressful. I find it overwhelming. I feel like I it takes more work than usual to show up as my best self because I'm just like my I'm like baseline stressed and overwhelmed and grouchy. So this will be a fun, you know, departure from all of those holiday plans, blah 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 stuff that can sometimes get me down. Yeah, yeah. I well, I hope so. <laughs> This is one of our last recordings of the year, so it's got that, again, that kind of, like, last day of school vibe. Um, (laughs) Are you doing anything fun? Are you doing, like, weirdo Christmas or anything like that? Good memory. So for folks who don't know, my partner and I have started a holiday tradition called Weirdo Christmas. If folks are interested in partaking, you can have your own Weirdo Christmas. And Weirdo Christmas is uh, before you do Christmas with your family, whatever your, like, Christmas obligation looks like is whatever to you. You just go have your own little Christmas trip. We usually get a cabin with a hot tub, but it can be anything where the whole point is just to have fun, experience holiday merriment without the obligations that sometimes come with like holiday family plans. Our particular way of celebrating it is weird costumes, weird lights, and we have to watch at least one, but usually several more, bad holiday movies. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> and like you talk over them and make fun of them. Oh, oh sure. Did we talk yeah. about what you considered bad previously? <laughs> Ooh, I don't think so. So for, for us, it's a lot of over-the-top Hallmark holiday movies. Um, usually, you know, 
a girl who has a good job in the big city comes home. Her family runs like a bakery, but it's in trouble. And then she has to meet a hometown holiday hunk who shows her the true meaning of Christmas. Yes, who's been like a high school friend or something that they reconnect after years. And oh my goodness, he runs a coffee shop and he's richer than you thought or something. Yeah, or, <laughs> or it's like flipped. So like if you're listening and you are a woman who has dark hair, brown hair, and you have and you care about your career, you have a like full, well-rounded life, like a good career, good friends, and you are going with your partner to a small town to visit his family, you're about to get left for like a wholesome girl <laughs> next door type who can who really understands the true meaning of Christmas. So just know that. That's always the right. plot in these movies. Oh, that's kind of a which. What is that holiday movie with Sarah Jessica Parker? Oh, and, The Family Stone. Yes, that kind of <laughs> is that whole trap together in one. Like you're like, this is the worst holiday movie ever. Who thought this was a good idea? Because they took all the tropes of like Hallmark but made it tragic. Yes. Also, The Family Stone. Like spoiler alert, although it's been out for like twenty years, it has. One of my one of, one of the plot lines I find so interesting is when siblings partner swap. Like if folks have yes. seen that movie, that's like a part of it. I always find that yes. to be so weird. It was the Luke Wilson character and the Claire Danes coming in, and you're like, this person is abhorrent, but this one is easy and nice and easy, like good, good to go. Like just, they balance each other out, and you're like, wow, this is what? Are, what is the lesson we're supposed to learn here? <laughs> Annie, I'm sure you have never seen it, have you? (laughs) It's actually a pretty good movie. I'm not going to lie. I don't like it. A lot of people really love it. As in fact, the reason I thought about this is because it was on TikTok and they were trying to redeem it and saying like, it's supposed to be more realistic. Everybody is supposed to be unlikable to a certain extent because they all have issues and that's supposed to be the point. And it comes together like it's just family because you also have uh, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. I think it's her best role. Yeah, so you have her in there. You have uh, like Diane Keaton. You just have a whole list of big, big name actors in there, and they're just all somewhat dislikable. You have the token gay couple in there, and of course, one of them is black. So you know, yay, everybody's diversity. And I think is it one of them deaf as well? Yes, I think so. I think they just put that in one like couple. <laughs> what a win for diversity this movie was. <laughs> <laughs> the checklist was real like, yes, you fit all of those. Great. Come on in. But yeah, like it's such an interesting movie. But I always thought of it as like, this is what happens if a Hallmark movie were to come together in a motion, like a large motion picture. And you just really never had too many redemptive arcs, except for enough to be like, we're a family. We're going to pull it together type of conversation. That's how I thought of that movie. <sighs> and what's more important to the true meaning of Christmas than family persevering in the end. Right, with someone always about to die. Yes. <laughs> oh, alert. heck, we're watching different Christmas movies. <laughs> uh, that's not the same, obviously, Hallmark, because it's been a minute. If I, I Like, I've not seen many Hallmark movies. I'm trying to think, because, like, they're along the same lines of Lifetime, right? Lifetime has been yeah. bought over. Yeah, so I, I'm using Hallmark as like a catch-all for like a right. like like a theme, like a type of movie. But if you really want to watch a movie, like a Christmas movie that is like, I almost feel like Hallmark's a little more highbrow. If you really want to yeah, watch a, a, really? a Christmas movie that's like 
not is like knows what it is, check out a Marvista Entertainment movie because they basically only <laughs> make bad Christmas movies, like Hallmark in in theme, but like way trashier and way worse. <laughs> we watched Amazing. one recently where the the like logo of, of the movie, like the image for the movie had Chevy Chase, like Chevy Chase is prominently featured. So we're like, oh, I guess Chevy Chase is, is in this movie. When I tell you that Chevy Chase is in the movie for like 30 seconds, like he's also clearly not <laughs> filmed with everybody else. So it's like, oh, y'all had, thir- y'all had like 30 minutes with Chevy Chase and you were like, throw him on the box. He's in. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I think it's like he got pretty much blacklisted because he was so difficult, notoriously difficult. So that would make sense. He'd be like, yeah, pay me a lot of money. I'll be on it for like 30 seconds. This is what I'll do now. That's yes. amazing. That's wow. amazing. So all have right. you watched all those movies? I've watched a ton of them. I have watched That's amazing. <laughs> yes. And another another genre that I really enjoy is, Anna, you'll appreciate this, horror Christmas movies. I feel like yeah. there's a lot, a lot of really good holiday cheesy horror movies. It's a, a really pretty good intersection that I like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's a big trend right now. It is. And I'm super into it. I love it. Um <laughs> This, yeah, this has been an interesting, because I have, like, my go-to movies, but this year has definitely been more of a horror Christmas year than it normally is. <laughs> have you Which watched I'm The Violent too. Night? Is yeah, that a horror movie? Oh, yes. Or is it, the, uh, is it, like, just a violent action movie? It's kind of a, yeah, I would say it's more of a action, like a violent action, party, yeah. action movie. <laughs> We but, watched uh, it with uh, my partner's parents, and his mom is like the sweetest. Says a little note card prayer for dinner, and she was just like, "What is happening?" I'm like, "You could not have picked a worse movie <laughs> if you how tried." Did this, how did this become the movie that you all were watching? I don't know. <laughs> he, he was he was just bound. He's like set on it. Like this is. I didn't think it is. Just be funny. It was not. I mean, I was, that's, that's, a, that's it was a bold it. move. I, I know. I try very hard not to watch. A movie like that the first time with my family? (laughs) I I think he's been banned from picking movies. Uh, Yeah, that might be fair. I respect it. I got it. It's a bold choice. It it definitely is. Oh, but with that, do you have like New Year's movies that you watch? Ooh. Well, I have one that I have a soft spot for. It is not a movie that that is... was well-received at the time. But have y'all ever seen 200 Cigarettes? Oh, no. So it's a movie that, like, it's one of those ensemble cast movies. Right. And basically, it's like, I think it takes place in 1989. It's it's New Year's Eve of 1989. It came out in 1999. Um, and it's all these different characters all trying to make plans for New Year's Eve. And it's one of those right. movies that came out just at the perfect right time where the cast is, got the most interesting ensemble cast. It's like, Kate Hudson, Paul Rudd, Christina Ricci, Courtney Love, Ben Affleck. Very interesting cast. It's not a movie that, like, I'm not going to say it's a good movie, because it's not. But it's a movie that you, if you watch it, you will not not enjoy it. I'll put it that way. Janine Garofalo. Um, yeah. You know what, Costello. now you say that, I think I have seen that. I think I have, and it's been so long ago. And I probably watched it because of Janine Garofalo. I oh loved her during that age. Mm-hmm. I feel like the 19, the late 90s, there was such a Janine Garofalo renaissance happening. Like, she was in everything. She's great in everything. We love her. 
<laughs> yes, I was because she was the normal girl, and it made me feel seen. I was like, oh. and also I had like, is she half Asian? Is she part Asian? She looks, she looks, she looks not white. <laughs> She's completely. got dark hair. Like, <laughs> you're right. Like there's something that just like maybe I had the small hopes. <laughs> can, can I tell you a? This has nothing to do with anything, but can I tell you a random fun fact about Janine Garofalo? Please. Yes. So I don't know why, but for some reason I was like, I wonder if Janine Garofalo is married. We never hear about her having a, a partner. What's the deal? So I looked it up, and what I found was that Janine Garofalo is married, and when she got engaged, she went to get married, and surprise, surprise, she found out that she was in fact already married because years earlier she had participated in some kind of a skit or a prank where she got married and did not realize that that, that was like a real marriage. So when she oh went to get married, look this up. I, I, it sounds like I'm making it up. Oh I swear God. I am not. When she went to get married, she was like, oh, snap. Turns out I'm already married. So she had to get that marriage dealt with before she could get married for real. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. I, I did not know that. Thank you for this information. <laughs> Just a random piece of information about... Janine Garofalo. Well, it sounds like uh, she, as with many of us getting to the end of the new year, wanted to leave <laughs> something behind. Transition. <laughs> um, <laughs> Masterful as always. Yes, thank you. Um, I was worried it wasn't going to happen, but I made it happen anyway. You did. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. For the topic today that you brought us, you're talking about some of the things tech in the tech world that we should leave behind or want to exactly. leave behind. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you all know that cartoon that you might see on Twitter a lot where it's like a woman stepping from one year to the next and behind her, she's leaving behind all of this baggage from the previous year, like fake friends or heartbreak. And then across over her shoulder, she's carrying what she's carrying into the next year. So like love or focus. Do you know the image that I'm talking about? I don't. I had never seen it. Um, but I'm looking at it now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so fun fact about that image, it was created by a British Ghanaian graphic artist named Peniel Enchel. And it first appeared on the internet in 2014. 
And BuzzFeed has a great interview with her. But basically, this image has been totally memefied, and it, it, it kind of pops up around this time of year every year uh, to sort of fit the theme of like new year, new me. Sometimes it's a joke, which this artist says that she doesn't always agree with or like the way that people like do their spins on it. But it's really become a part of like the shorthand of this time of year of like what we're leaving behind and what we're taking with us into the new year. So when that picture was making its rounds recently around this time of year, you know, I had just wrapped up podcasting my, my own podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, talking about technology and identity and really asking questions about like what we get right and what we get wrong, you know, in those, in those arenas. So this image got me thinking, what tech things should just stay in 2023 and that we should not be bringing with us into 2024? So I've got my list of things that should stay like we're done with them. We're not, we should not be bringing them with us into the new year. Yeah, and I was thinking about this too. This has been a big year for tech. This has felt like a very monumental, like a lot of things are changing. And so looking at, at this list, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, it can feel strange because time feels so strange now, but that did all happen this year. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so what is on your list? Let's get into it. So as you said, like it's been a big year for conversations around technology that they're big right now. And I would say, there probably is not a bigger conversation than the one happening around AI, right? So we're all like rightly talking about how AI could change the way that we do our jobs or the way that artistic projects get created. And those are all important conversations to be having. But there is one very serious conversation about the reality of AI, and that is how AI is being used to do things like violate consent and further use technology to make it seem like our bodies are just like up for grabs once we show up online. So case in point, Nudify apps. So Nudify apps are kind of the catch-all term for apps or platforms that promise to use AI to generate non-consensual nude or semi-nude images of anyone. These kinds of apps have been exploding in popularity. In September alone, 24 million people visited Nudify apps or undressing websites, according to the social network analysis company Graphica. So in their analysis, they really talk about how we've how this year specifically, we've seen this shift where Nudify apps kind of went from this niche underground custom thing where like if you were like a singular creep who had a singular fixation on one person, you could find a marketplace for non-consensual images to be made of somebody, but it was like a niche custom thing. Now in 2023, we have really seen that shift to where these are fleshed out, monetized online businesses, complete with advertising apparatuses. Graphica found that the volume of referral link spam for these kinds of services has increased by more than 2,000% on social media platforms like Reddit and Twitter since the beginning of 2023. And a set of 52 Telegram groups used to access non-consensual image sites like these contain at least 1 million users as of September of 2023. So they have really exploded in popularity, yet I think that we're only now, like only recently, come to have any kind of conversation about what that means, not just for, you know, the women who are overwhelmingly targeted by these kinds of apps, but also what it means for our digital landscape more broadly. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, none of this is familiar to me. As many <laughs> social media things as I'm involved in, didn't know this was a thing. Didn't know. It's pretty despicable. Um, I, it first got on my radar 
it first seemed to be rolled out to like more mainstream platforms with celebrities. So it would be like, oh, you can get a nude of any celebrity. And now it's like, not just celebrities, it's like anybody who can get a, you can generate a, a non-consensual nude of anybody. Um, and so one of the ways that this is becoming more and more ubiquitous is just seeing the advertisements for it on social media. Um, after some journalists at Bloomberg were looking into the popularity of these kinds of apps, they contacted both TikTok and Facebook to ask them about, you know, it's like, hey, it seems like these really gross apps are being allowed to advertise on your platforms. And both Facebook and TikTok, I will say, to, you know, to their credit, when Bloomberg reached out to them, they both did some work to block search terms related to nudify apps. But one social media platform, notably, did not do that. Can you guess what platform that was? <laughs> Twitter. You probably can. It was I'm Twitter. I'm naming it just Twitter, obviously. I'm not calling it a new name still. No, no yeah, we're, we're calling it Twitter still. <laughs> so it was Twitter. They were like, mm, we're actually fine with these Nudify apps. Like, we don't see a problem. Uh, so this is from Vice. Searching the word undress on TikTok brings up no results in either the top or video tabs. Instead, the platform warns users that the phrase may be associated with activity that violates the platform's guidelines. Searching the same term on Instagram similarly brings up no results. Searching undress on Twitter, however, readily surfaces a verified account with nearly 20,000 followers promoting nudify app services. So let's say that you were to search Twitter for the word indress instead of undress, Twitter is actually like, wait, were you actually meaning to search for undress? And it, it prompts you to search for undress instead. So where other platforms are like, no, we can't have that on our, on our platforms, Twitter is like not just allowing it on platforms, but like helping people to search it when they, when they get it wrong. And so you might see people, like if you ever see Nudify apps advertised on these platforms, sometimes they, like, the, like, the, like a word is misspelled or like there's a space between a couple, some of the letters to try to evade being picked up and like knocked off the platform. But it generally just does not seem like Twitter has a problem with these kinds of services being advertised on their platform. And I feel like this is a big question with like legalities, especially on public platforms like that in general. But like in, in talking about doing news and such, like it seems like it should be illegal. It seems like this could be one of those things, especially like if you think about revenge porn and all that being illegal in so many places, like is that not a thing is that can you not take it to court or at least try to stop these images from happening? So that is a great question. When I first saw these, I was like, this has got to be illegal. And it turns out that right now, depending on where you live, it is probably not illegal to do this. Um, it depends on your jurisdiction, but there is currently no federal law criminalizing using AI to generate non-consensual deepfake images. Um, Representative Yvette Clark out of New York has actually proposed legislation that would criminalize making, you know, non-consensual deepfakes. But as of right now, kind of unbelievably, there is not any legislation federally that prevents somebody from doing that. And yeah, I just think that like, as this kind of technology becomes more ubiquitous in our culture, I think it adds to this, this idea that just by showing up on the internet, women are fair game for anybody who wants to sexualize us. And that I think it's getting to be a, getting to a point where the idea is like, well, if you didn't want someone to use your images in that way, why did you post them to Instagram, right? Like, I think, the, and I think that we really got to have a real 
serious think and a serious conversation about if that is going to be a social media climate that we want. And I think that that kind of thinking is the kind of thinking that we need to leave behind in 2023, right? Like women should be able to show up online without non-consensual sexualization just being the cost of showing up. And so mm-hmm. let's leave that behind in 2024. We are not bringing it with us. <laughs> Please. Please. Yeah. And that's one of the very frustrating things because I did see a lot about this. Um, and we even had an episode, Bridget, about it, about journalists getting targeted by stuff like oh, that. Yeah. and uh, Revenge porn and things like that. And this is just making it so much easier and it's harder to... Uh, for some people, for all of us, to ascertain, like, what is real and what is not real. But it does kind of disproportionately impact women and marginalized folks. And that's just one example of technology doing that, that you have on your list, right? (laughs) Yes. And I think, like, just like what you said, I think that there are specific groups that we see being targeted for this kind of harm first. And then it's like, oh, now, and then, like, When those groups, when it's allowed to happen to those groups, it's like, oh, well, you know, nobody really does anything. And then it's like, oh, surprise, now it's everybody's problem. Now we just live in a a society where, like, this is commonplace. And, like, maybe when this was happening to specific groups of people, if we had done something and taken it seriously then, we wouldn't have allowed it to just become ubiquitous, right? And I don't think anybody wants to live in a culture where anybody... Is, is fair game just because they were on, they put a picture of themselves on the internet to have that picture be distorted and sexualized. So absolutely right. So that brings me to another thing that we should not be taking with us into 2024, and that is content moderation policies that really hurt women and other marginalized people. So as we were talking about with AI, right now, AI is used in content moderation that really does a lot of the work of deciding what gets amplified and what gets suppressed on social media. This technology, however, also objectifies women's bodies and is much more likely to flag images that involve women or include women as racy or inappropriate, and thus those images are more likely to be suppressed on social media sites. So The Guardian actually put together like a really interesting investigation into this where they had journalists use AI tools to analyze hundreds of photos of men and women in their underwear, working out, using medical tests and with partial nudity, and found that the AI used will tag photos of women in everyday situations as sexually suggestive. So I'm talking about images of, like, women in their underwear, fully covered, or women working out at the gym, fully covered, right? Like, images that we would recognize as not racy, but because they include women, the tools that are being used to make decisions about how content is moderated will be like, no, that's racy, can't have that, on social media. And so as a result of this, social media companies that leverage these algorithms have suppressed, honestly, countless images of featuring women's bodies. We know that this hurts women-led businesses. I was just reading about how a shapewear company essentially can't advertise on social media because images of women's bodies fully covered in shapewear will just be suppressed by these algorithms. And they essentially cannot advertise their product on social media, which is like where you advertise products in 2023. This also, like, not only does it hurt female-led businesses, it also has medical impacts. Um, They found that this this disparity is also true for medical images. AI was shown images from the U.S. National Cancer Institute demonstrating how to do a clinical breast exam. Google's AI gave this photo the highest score for raciness. 
Microsoft's AI was 82% confident that these images of, of women doing breast exams was explicit sexually in nature. And Amazon classified it as representing explicit nudity. This is also true for pregnant bellies. Like if you're, if you are heavily pregnant and showing a pregnant belly on social media platforms, AI is much more likely to deem that image to be racy and then suppress that in their content moderation tools. And so you really get a sense of the way that these platforms are creating a, a disproportionate cost for being a woman who shows up online. Like it prevents women from being able to express themselves. It prevents women from being able to get medical information about our bodies. And ultimately, it's just not fair. Like we shouldn't have to deal with this just because we showed up on a social media platform with our bodies. Like our, there's nothing wrong with women's bodies. They're not, they're not racy or explicit just by us having them. Right, right. And I believe... Smith and I, we talked about this about YouTube because YouTube had a similar strange thing that was happening where it was flagging videos of children, <laughs> young girls. It's just like, this is so sexual. And it's just like literally young girls. And it's it's telling to what is going on in our society, the problems of objectifying and sexualizing women. But also, this is a big thing that we talk about with you, Bridget, when it matters who's making these things, who's doing this stuff. Um, and, and AI is a pretty new space, but I've already seen a lot of conversations about that, about the importance of who is working on it. Um, so that's part of what is going on here, right? Totally. So The Guardian spoke to Margaret Mitchell of the AI company Hugging Face, who said that she believes that the photos used to train these algorithms were probably just being labeled by straight men who probably associate men working out with fitness, but maybe consider an image of a woman working out as being like racy or sexual or explicit, even though it's like the same theme, the same content. And so it's possible that these ratings seem gender biased in the US and in Europe because the labelers might be from a place that might have more conservative cultures, right? And so, yeah, it really matters who is building technology, who's in the room when the technology gets built, who is training it, who is rolling it out, who is thinking about it, who's writing about it, who's talking about it. If these people are mostly men, then like, of course, women and other marginalized people are not showing up in an equitable way. With all the conversations that we have around things like inclusion and diversity and equity in tech, I don't, I'm not like harping on those just because it's like nice to do or it's like the right thing to do, which it is. It is because eventually the technology that gets built is worse, is less inclusive, is more dangerous. Like, it includes less people, and that ends up hurting all of us. Yes, it does. And and speaking of that, you have another point on here, going back to something we were talking about earlier, about women in journalism, yes? Yes. So I'm so glad that was a great transition, which is that, <laughs> you know, I, it's like one of the reasons why I started my own podcast about this is that we unfortunately, have a tech culture that can treat women like perpetual outsiders, right? Whether by accident or with intention. And that is something that we gotta leave in 2023, really, we could have left it like in, year, in like many, many, many years past. But this is the time that we should be leaving it in the past because exactly what you said, it is so critical. These tools are going to be shaping our world and how we understand our world. So we gotta make sure that people who are publicly talking about it and are included in that conversation are done so in a way that does not treat them like perpetual outsiders. And so 
women who are working for that AI company that I mentioned before, Hugging Face, which you can sort of think of as like a competitor to OpenAI, the company that makes ChatGPT, which is run by that guy, Sam Altman. Uh, Hugging Face has a lot of women who work there. And these women do a ton of like public speaking about tech and AI in the media, which is great. And I also think, again, it's like important because it can help to change the face of like who we think of as somebody who gets to speak or gets to have an opinion when it comes to technology. And that's great. However, the women at Hugging Face also noticed that when they were doing public speaking about AI with the press, they sometimes would get like sexist or otherwise kind of messed up questions during interviews that just like really highlighted that they were not necessarily being treated like people who belonged in the space. Margaret Mitchell, she is Hugging Face's chief ethics scientist, framed it as a research question. She asked, what are patterns and how journalists talk to and about women in AI? She found that compared to male peers, there is a disproportionate focus from the press on their ages, their motherhood, their physical appearance or behaviors, their failures, and what AI gossip they could provide rather than their, like, technical work. And these are people who are incredibly accomplished. They're, like, doing very important work that they've gone to school for, been trained for. In an article, if you get to interview them and you ask about their age or you ask if they have kids or you ask, you know, about their the way they look, it's, it's so limiting because it's like you have somebody who has dedicated their life to this very important technology and this is what you ask them like it's such a it's such a miss on part on the part of the journalists it's like i thought you by now at this point in ai there would be more things to talk about there's so many questions that we should be asking again things like how are how are sexist issues being handled in ai how are you protecting women in ai and not about the individual person be like so you got a kid <laughs> you got to yeah. be on the computer while you have a kid? How are you going right. to do that? Like, well, that, that seems so, like, far-fetched. Like, why? Is this is this a skit? Are you, are you kidding? Are we still doing this? And what's frustrating is, like, they would never ask a man that. If you were talking to, like, a powerful man, you would never be like, oh, well, who watches your kids while you're working? Or, like, how do, how do, how do you juggle being a dad and, like, being a scientist? Like, these are things that would not, that, like, would not come up. They're only coming up because they're women. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Dr. Sasha Lucioni, who is an AI researcher and a climate lead at Hugging Face, was in this like pretty glowing piece for Adweek. The piece was great, but the headline to the article read, this AI ethics expert juggles motherhood and a tech career. And people had to like raise hell to get them to change it. And (laughs) yeah, it's just like, I I do think that there is a place for conversations about what it looks like to juggle career and family and all of that. But those are not conversations that should only be happening to women. And there's a time and a place for them, right? Like if you're meant to be interviewing somebody about their technical prowess, that's, that I don't, I don't see how that is is relevant to their technical expertise. Right. And that piece in itself, the title is so condescending. Is that definitely like, oh, look at you. How cute. Look at you doing that. You go. You go, girl. I'm so proud of you. Instead of seeing this professional scientist who has more degrees and more experience than the person who actually probably wrote the article. I don't know for sure, but just that level of like, probably. wow, really? What are you doing? Like, is it because you feel insecure that you need to be condescending, but be like passive aggressively like, but no, 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 I'm really impressed. Really. It is so condescending. And so in an effort to help the space be better, the women who work at Hugging Face actually developed a guide for journalists to help get it right, to help create a better dynamic so that it's not just condescending question and sexist question after sexist question. The guide reads, The real achievements of women on our team often get overshadowed by a focus on personal and sometimes very intrusive details that are not relevant to their work. With all the amazing press attention we get at Hugging Face, we're bound to see some journalists rely on outdated tropes. Lately, we've seen more reporters ignoring our amazing achievements of our she's and they's, and instead focusing on stereotypes in tech. One of the things that I love about the guide that they put out is that it really highlights the importance of not treating tech like a place where women don't belong. And so, for instance, the guide reads, don't rely on antiquated stereotypes about women in tech. This includes describing women as outsiders in the field, which only serves to reinforce the idea that women don't belong in tech. An example of a problematic sentence they give, despite being a woman in a male-dominated field, Brooke Brookie has made a name for herself in the tech industry. Better is... Through her brilliant results on magic and large language models, Brooke Brookie made a name for herself in the tech industry. And so this, I think, is really key. And I think people do this without even really meaning to, is that the tech industry, women and queer folks and trans folks and Black folks and folks with disabilities and all different kinds of people who are traditionally marginalized in our society have been at the beginning of technology and have been since the very start. We have this idea that like, oh, tech is this like white male cis boys club and anybody else is trying to break their way in. And that's, I can understand why people feel that way, but we have been there from the very beginning. And if if you don't always hear our stories or our voices, it's not because we're not there. It's because specific choices have been made to keep, to like sideline us and to turn down our voices. And so really starting from a place that like, We do belong in these conversations. We do belong in tech. We do belong in this sector. We're not outsiders, I think is really, really important. And it also just really matters, you know, if the people who are building technology and talking about technology and thinking about technology are only one type of person, the tech that gets built is going to be a whole lot worse. And so all of us benefit when more voices are included and feel included and feel empowered to join the conversation. You would think that would be an obvious and also that it would be it would save money. It would save money in all the revamping and redoing of everything that you knew. Well, I would expect you knew, but 
that could go wrong when you don't have the right people or all the people at least represented in this conversation, especially if you're wanting these people to use your technology? <sighs> you're so right. And like, what's interesting is I once read this book called Mothers of Invention, all about how things like misogyny and bias around women stifle innovation. And something that's really struck me from that book is how much money gets left on the table because of things like gender bias and misogyny. It's like, you would think in a capitalistic society that for-profit companies would want money above anything. You might be surprised because they are perfectly willing to lose money if it means further entrenching gender bias and misogyny. Yeah. Which is so nonsensical. Right. I guess it's power over money, even though money could be considered power. Yeah. Yeah. We were doing, I was trying to do a wrap-up episode like this about video games and um, board games. And I ran across kind of a stunning, upsetting amount of um, how often people in power who are dudes were like, it's just women don't make good stuff. Um, (laughs) And they would literally be like, "Uh, people don't buy those things, those party games. Why? Yes, they do. (laughs) Yeah. Look at the demographics of who is actually playing video games. It is a lot of women. And so set like, I think not making video games and stuff that that like women want when a big chunk of your customer base just is women, it's a fact, that is on you. That is like, you don't know how to do it or unwilling to do it. It's like, any anything that you could say is just an excuse to not do it. Right. Like, you look at Animal Crossing and the fact they made bank, especially during COVID and quarantine, and you're like, you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. This guy in question was, he was saying, like, all the games women like to play, which are, like, in his mind, are much more too political or too like parties like yeah, animal crossing mobile <laughs> games like aren't good and don't make money and it's like uh are you sure again why oh this also reminds me of um it's kind of upsetting but it reminds me of when Sally Ride was, you know, getting ready to go to space and they would have these press conferences with her and all these men and the men, they're asking, like, all these, like, questions related to the job. And her, they'd be like, how are you going to put your makeup on in space? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it has it, like, it's still there that kind of, we still gender these things and we still other people. And it does really matter who's writing about it and who whose stories are getting published or getting that traction because... You know, if it, if it's mostly white men's stories who's getting, like, all of the attention, then that does help reinforce this idea that, yeah, it's this white male space when it isn't and it hasn't been, as you said. Yeah. Did you ever hear, I mean, I'm sure you all have heard this story, but it really sticks with me that when Sally Ride was going to space, she's going to be there for one week. And the, like, scientists or engineers at NASA or whoever were like, they gave her a hundred, was it 200 tampons or a hundred tampons? She's going to be there for one week. And when she was like, oh, a hundred tampons, they were like, will that be enough? (laughs) (laughs) Like, these are the greatest scientific, like, nobody can tell me that, like, male scientists are, like, better than women when that's what's going on with our male (laughs) scientists. Can you imagine if you honestly believed that was true? 
And then for to expect the women in your life or the people who menstruate in your life to just be going through 200 tampons in a week. Right. And that we have to pay that much when you're like looking at tampons and they're like 30, for what is it, like $8 for 30? You're like, bro. Yeah, 30 bucks. So it's like, how much do they... I have so many questions. I have so many There's questions. There's so many questions. There's so many questions. <laughs> and, and to be fair, like in everything, like how did you think this was going to work? Like who invented this? This is not, this is, this doesn't work like that. What, what are you doing? God, sometimes like, uh, this is such a non sequitur. Sometimes when I think about gender dynamics, like I remember reading this tweet from a guy who was like, people think Taylor Swift is so pretty, but here she is without makeup. And it's like, did you think that she was born with cat eyes and like bright red lips? (laughs) And you thought all of us thought that? You clearly thought that, but you thought all of us thought that. Like, and then you're like, you're supposed to be getting one over on us women. Like the whole thing is just laughable. Yeah, it's like such a great example of who we consider the norm in society, whose experience we consider the norm we base it on. Because I was thinking about that recently, too, about this whole idea that I feel like has faded away largely, but not always, but like women who would wake up early and put on makeup so their partner would not see them without makeup. So it's like, it's like a lot of us feel that we have to do this thing because then we'll get this complaint from this random jackass on social media. (laughs) But then it's also like, dude, what do you think? It's strange. It's like a strange dynamic that is happening where you feel the pressure to do it, but then also shouldn't they, shouldn't people realize how much work it is? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And it kind of goes into another question that I'm kind of concerned about because we've had like I've been noticing more and more on TikTok, they just have automatic filters. And a lot of people talk about the fact that they use different filters, especially because they don't want to wear makeup and all that. And this feels, makes them feel better, which all all in all, whatever, you do you. But then this level of expectation uh, that especially men, especially I'm going to say cis heterosexual men, uh, think that this is what you should look like. And if you don't look like that in real life, holy sh- catfished me and you've lied to me. Like in this new level of standard, a beauty standard that might be like, okay, this is good for us because it makes us kind of feel better. But at the same time, what is it leading to? That's such an interesting question. And I guess I just think that like a lot of men, like cis heterosexual men, I think are really willing to live in a fantasy world. Like they're really like, it's like if if you think that, you know, some of those TikTok filters they give you, like, glitter on your eyes. If you thought that, like, somebody came out of the womb with, like, glitter on their eyes, like, I, I, I sometimes, like, it's, it's it's honestly, it's one of the reasons why I don't really remove my body hair because when you add up how much time it takes to do it, it's, like, it's actually, like, not, it's a lot of work. And it's, mm-hmm. like, do I want to do extra work and pay whatever extra money it takes to buy the razor and this and that to feed into a fantasy that adult women don't have body hair? No, I don't. Like, if you're, if you're, like you should by now know that adult women do generally have body hair. And I'm not, I'm not interested in, in perpetuating this like very weird fantasy world where this becomes how women are in the world. And that right. if, if you see a woman who is not doing that, it's, it's not, it's like out of sync with how you think women should exist. I guess I'll say, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. 
No, yeah, it absolutely does. It kind of, again, it fades into this narrative that women are supposed to be this higher level of beauty standard in order to fit with a norm, which is so much less work for men <laughs> in general. Yeah, um, and when we're looking at, like, Tech, I mean, so many of the things that we've talked about on here do play into that, whether it's filters or social media, these kind of beauty standards that are getting perpetuated, um, just the vitriol uh, women can receive just by, here's my face, um, (laughs) being on social media. Um, So it is really unfortunate because it's, it's, we can't ignore that that does happen, and I I've, I know I've told this story before, but I have a lovely collage of all of the horrible things people have said to me online. But it's also like, why can't we just, these are women who are doing amazing things in AI. We don't have to talk about how they look. <laughs> we really don't. Right. We really don't. We don't need to know how many children she has. We don't need to know if she has no. a husband or, or a partner. Like, that's not... We want to know, are you doing better AI that protects people? Then yeah. wonderful. Let's support that. Yes. And it's such a... <laughs> yeah, it's just such a missed opportunity because, like, the majority of people who are making sure that AI is safe or more inclusive or doesn't harm people or is ethical or doing really interesting work, those people tend to also be women, people of color, people who are not necessarily treated as the norm in tech. And so when you have an opportunity to talk to these people, actually use it because what they are working on probably really matters. And like, it matters to all of us, even if you're not somebody who is like a techie, you're not somebody who thinks of yourself as like somebody who thinks about AI a lot, this stuff is going to matter to everybody. And I guess that that brings me to one of the things that I'm looking forward to in 2024 that I if I'm the if I'm the girl in the cartoon that I've got this in my bag slung over my shoulder that I'm taking it with me to the next year and that is all of us each and every one of us being more involved in conversations around tech like I do think I have seen a shift this year around how regular people like you and me and people listening you know are thinking about technology and talking about technology I think that we are done with this idea that tech is only decided by a bunch of like super smart genius white guys who don't have to be accountable to us at all because we're like not smart enough to understand the brilliance that they do. That is out. I think that in 2023, we are coming to the realization that these people have been using that dynamic as a way to essentially like get rich off of us. And I think that we're going to start asking some questions about that dynamic and pushing back like, should these companies and tech leaders be able to just get rich off of us without us asking any questions or having any say? I think in, I think I'm starting to see people be like, no, actually, I am smart enough to understand that I'm being taken advantage of and exploited, and I have questions about that. So let's keep asking those questions in 2024. Let's bring that dynamic into the new year with us. Yes. 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 And, of course, always... Your show is such a good part of that and part of that conversation. So very eagerly awaiting the next the next season. Do you call it seasons, Bridget? We call it seasons, but they're they're really just like when I get tired of making the show and I have to take a break. <laughs> so we are taking a break, but we'll be we'll be back real soon. <laughs> well, you're here with us answering those questions and asking those questions and allowing mm-hmm. us to ask you those questions. So we are very grateful 
for that and excited for that for the new year. Yes. Yes. And we are hoping maybe we'll get to hang out IRL and do IRL. some things in 2024. Yes. So. Yes. One day. One yes. day. I, it, it's going to happen soon. Stay, yes. stay tuned, folks. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, Bridget, thank you so much, as always, for being here at the end of this year. Um, where can the good listeners find you? You can check out my podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, on iHeartRadio. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC or on Twitter at Bridget Marie. Yes. And definitely go do that, listeners, if you haven't already. Bridget, I hope you have a good, relaxing holiday. Weirdo Christmas. Yes. Uh. Same to you all. Happy, <laughs> merry, whatever to all of y'all. Yes. Thank you. Um, and listeners, if you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is Stephanie and MomStuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I Never Told You. We have a tea public store and we do have a book. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you and happy holidays. Yes. Yes. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.